Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up another week, and thanks for letting us be part of your day. Here's what we'll be talking about. A lot of people in agriculture talking about the announcement yesterday on market facilitation program payments. And now we uh, know the county rates and interesting how they broke down and anywhere from $15 an acre to $150 an acre. A lot of it concentrated in uh, cotton growing areas. We'll be talking about that with Richard Fordyce, administrator for the Farm Service Agency. And sign up starts on Monday. We'll go through all the details on getting signed up. Also, we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And we'll talk about those market facilitation program payments with the National Milk Producers Federation Chief Economist Peter Vitaliano. And also take a look at the uh, ongoing debate over nonfat solids in uh, our milk supply. So that's coming up on our program today. But first, we're going to start it off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thank you for joining us. Uh, what, the House wraps up today before going on their August recess? No, they left last night. Last night. They, mm. Or at least they announced there will be no votes today, so I'm sure that most of them are on early planes. There could be some kind of pro forma session today, but no votes. Uh, they're gone till the 9th of September. Uh, but they did pass the budget agreement, uh, leaving that for the Senate to pass next week in the last week that they're in town until September 9th. Uh, so we're, depending on how you look at it, uh, Congress is taking time off or working in their district, uh, or some people would say the country is safe from legislating. Hmm. Yeah. So meanwhile, the big announcement yesterday was on the market facilitation program payments. So what kind of uh, reaction are you hearing and seeing uh, to that to that announcement? Well, it's very interesting. Last year, everyone, uh, uh, I would say, accepted the payments, praised the payments. This year, there's some pushback. Uh, uh, Debbie Stabenow, the ranking member on Senate Agriculture, uh, said she t- this is no uh, uh, this is no excuse for no uh, no trade strategy. And uh, the chairs of the subcommittees on the House Ag Committee also criticized the payments. And then there are uh, a couple of economists who told National Public Radio that these payments are too big. So uh, it's not as popular, with the, I would say, uh, uh, with legislators and the media as it was the last time. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, the biggest payments are going to go to cotton growing areas of the country last time we saw a heavy emphasis on soybeans this time it's on cotton yes uh that's right uh i heard you know last night there were some lobbyists talking about the fact that the south is going to get most of this money uh and it won't be too bad in the in the uh uh in the midwest but it's the south that's getting the the big money now i don't know exactly how they calculated it to come up with that formula, uh, you'll have to ask Mr. Fordyce about that. 
but that's the situation. Yeah, it, it is interesting, and they, uh, Secretary Purdue said they worked hours and hours and hours to try to address, uh, you know, not having uh, these big discrepancies from one county to the next, you know, right next to each other. But no matter what they came out with, it was going to be uh, criticized by some, right? Uh, yes, the, big, the biggest problem will be if, if you're growing a crop that is not the major crop that's grown in that county. Uh, then you're probably going to have your your payment may be bigger or smaller than you think it sh- than you think it should be. Uh, but one thing Purdue mentioned is that wheat was not so affected by the trade uh, conflict, and so I guess the payments to the wheat growing counties are not going to be so big. But if you grew cotton in that wheat county, you're not going to get much of a payment. And I wonder, it's supposed to be to offset losses from the trade disputes, but I wonder if, if there wasn't something taken into consideration about all the weather damage uh, done in cotton-growing country. Well, yes. Well, Rob Johansson, the chief economist, said yesterday that they had taken into consideration the uh, the weather problems. Uh, uh, I thought he was referring to the flooding in the Midwest, uh, but he may have also been referring to what was going on in cotton country. But that is part of the formula uh, this year. Uh, uh, and, of course, the people who have uh, pre- gotten prevented planting payments uh, but are able to plant a cover crop will get the $15 minimal, uh, minimal payment. Um, so uh, I, I don't know whether this this formula can be completely justified on economic grounds. There there are lots of things in this that are uh, uh, a little dicey. Really open for speculation. As I said, no matter what they came out with, there would be questions raised. uh, But we'll see how this this plays out. Now, this will be the first step in this, uh, the first round of payments. There are two more scheduled, depending on whether or not we get a trade deal with China done or not. That's right. Uh, uh, and, of course, there's some other trade problems in here, too, I think, too. I think Turkey, India. So uh, it depends in general on whether trade negotiations uh, go better than they, than they have so far. Uh, one thing I might mention, Mike, is that we will expect action on agricultural appropriations in September. That's the, the, the positive out of this budget deal is that, they, that they'll be able to move forward on appropriations and there should be bipartisan agreement on whatever the, the uh, uh, appropriations bill ends up being. Yeah, you know, this, the budget deal, um, I think, was welcome. The fact that, that we actually, they actually came to an agreement and on time and for a couple of years, but no tax extenders in there, and still it doesn't look like anything's going to get done on that anytime soon. No, Senator Grassley has criticized the agreement for not, in, uh, for not including that. Uh, uh, I don't know what to say about that, uh, except that maybe it's hard to convince the uh, lawmakers that that's a priority these days. Mm-hmm. All right, so the House uh, has uh, recessed, and the Senate has one more week, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they come back. Also interesting what they hear from uh, voters when they're back home in their districts uh, on their recess. Yes, I'll be very interested in, uh, in what they hear uh, when they're back home and what their mood is like when they come back here in September.
Yeah, we'll see if USMCA is at the top of that list of things to do when they get back, or at least near the top, for sure. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. All right, always good to talk to you. Uh, have Take a good care. day for everyone. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. So we have the numbers. I'm sure a lot of people, you've been, a lot of you uh, have been checking your county rate to see where you stand. A lot of questions about how they came up with this formula. We're going to talk about it with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, coming up next. And uh, sign-up starts on Monday. We'll go through those details as well. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, Congress still has a lot to do in the short period of time before their August recess. One of the things that certainly the biodiesel industry would like to see get done would be a tax extenders package. We're going to talk about that now with former North Dakota Senator Byron Dorgan. Do you see a path forward on this tax extenders package? I hope so. I hope there's a path forward. We're working very hard to try to do that. You know, when I was uh, a senator, I actually was one of the authors of the Renewable Fuels Standard to help create a renewable fuels industry with uh, ethanol and biodiesel and so on. And it's been unbelievably successful, actually. But but now we're kind of uh, finding some significant headwinds. It's been it's stalled. I mean we're we're not getting the uh, the volume obligations out of the EPA. We're not getting uh, an extension of the tax credit. We've got some issues on trade that we've got to deal with. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in magazine, 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, welcome back. Again, uh, the big news, the announcement of the uh, county payment rates for the market facilitation program. And uh, sign-up starts on Monday. Let's talk about that with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. Richard, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Mike. So, um... We'll get into the details of sign-up here in just a moment, but wanted to to just talk a little bit about how this breaks down. It looks like uh, it's heaviest in cotton-producing areas, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think if you look at the if you look at the national map, I think you could you can tell that um, you know, and 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 maybe uh, you know more diverse counties uh, potentially that have more more crops. Um, you know, in, in, in those parts of the country that are a bit more diversified. I think, I think that would be easy to say, yeah. Now, Secretary Purdue talked about all the time that was spent in trying to come up with something uh, equitable and trying to address, you know, uh, keeping one county from being way above an adjoining county or something like that. So uh, can you give us a look into that process and uh, the development of this formula for these county rates? Yeah, I, and, and I think the secretary uh, phrased that pretty well. You know, we, we looked at um, we looked at the process, you know, very uh, from a very thoughtful uh, perspective. I think, and you know, the secretary was very uh, it was very clear uh, from the beginning after the president, um, you know, asked him to put together a second program um, to uh, to help farmers as we as we continue to. You know, get better trade deals across the globe. And one of the things that was really pretty confident right out, right out the gate, was that we wanted to get payments out the door sooner rather than later. And you know, your listeners will know that uh, the MSC one program required producers to, to certify production. And you know, in a lot of parts of the country, we're a long way away from, uh, from harvest. And so, how do you, how do you, how do you put a program together? That is fair, equitable, uh, representative of the agriculture in those in those individual states, and get those dollars out the door sooner rather than later. And so, the approach, and, and basically, uh, we looked at um, we looked at the historical historical planting by county and yield uh, for those dairy crops, and had a Factor that uh, that relates back to the, the damage created by retaliatory tariffs to come up with uh, to come up with a rate and then multiply that rate uh, that that per acre rate by the number of planted acres in 2019. So you know again 
I think from you know from a from a calculated perspective, you know, it's a it's a sound approach. Uh, obviously, the chief economist will um, uh, you know work through those different formulas and those different calculations to come up with those with those unique um, uh, county specific per acre rate. We're talking with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce about the market facilitation program payments. Uh, we've mentioned that uh, they range from $15 an acre to $150 an acre. And um, again, showing the emphasis on cotton areas, county rates are highest in areas where cotton is a staple crop, such as Georgia and Texas. Uh, but in the Midwest, no counties in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, or the Dakotas have payment rates above $100 an acre. Texas and Georgia, uh, Texas has 35 counties above 100 and, and uh, Georgia 51. All right, so we get to the actual sign-up, which starts on Monday. What do uh, farmers, what do producers need to know about signing up? Right, well, you're right, Mike. Um, sign-up does begin uh, Monday, July 29th. And producers, um, you know, we would encourage uh, them to, to go to that County office um, uh, and and basically visit with that, with that county office staff, or they can also go to farmers.gov/msp, uh, where they'll be able to download the application, can fill it out, take it in. I think you know we've talked to a lot of our state executive directors across the country. There may even be an approach, uh, depending on um, you know depending on. Uh, like workload management, time management, uh, they may be you know, mailing out some of those applications to producers. Um, but really, you just need to come in, and, and um, you know, we've got some eligibility requirements, but they're very similar to the eligibility requirements uh, that the farmers have to comply with for other farm programs. Their, their adjusted growth income uh, verification, uh, conservation compliance verification, uh, but a lot of the, one of our producers, certainly in the Midwest and, and across uh, um, some of those uh, non-specialty that you referred to in those states, they, that part's probably already done. Um, so they don't indicate whether they want to participate in the program or not. Since the unit county rates are, are already determined, the only other thing that would need to be done, um, plus that, that eligibility, some of that eligibility work I mentioned, is to make sure that they have a, a timely filed agency report. Um, because that's what's going to generate ultimately the payment is that county rate times the 2019 planted acres. So, um, you know, if the producer has done the eligibility work, they've already, they already have a timely filed agency report. They're ready to go, and, and basically it's just um, a matter of walking through the application, which is fairly, um, fairly straightforward and uh, getting a signature on that application to indicate they want to participate in the program. So you either go into the office, or you said in some cases applications may be sent to the producer. They may be. We talked about that a little bit, um, you know, to see what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of an effort that would be. And I, I think it'll de- determine or it'll depend on, you know, the number of producers, you know, that, that, that are expected in a county office. If it's going to be... You know, there's going to be a whole bunch of folks coming in. Um, I think counties um, and, and management in those counties, they're going to they're going to figure out a way to, to be the most efficient 
and get the most number of folks in as quickly as they can. And I think, you know, I think there'll be varied approaches. But certainly I would encourage producers to, to call the county office, maybe stop by um, whatever works really for their, you know, for their schedule uh, to get in and, and, and get signed up. A uh, maximum of $500,000 for a single producer or legal entity across all three aspects of the program with a $250,000 limit for a single phase of the program. When do you expect checks to start going out? So, um, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, payments would start mid to late August. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a little bit of work we've got to do. Um, you know, on our end to make sure that the that those payments are ready to go out, and we have an automated process for that. So once that, um, that is once, once those payments are built, we can we can issue a lot of them in a really short period of time. So um, we're we're targeting mid to late August. So um, that would be kind of when producers expect to get that first that first payment and. As a reminder, um, whatever the whatever the producer qualifies for, that first payment is going to be fifty percent of that of that amount. Um, so fifty percent, and then uh, the payments will go out in three tranches, including that first one. That first one is fifty percent. That one, um, if it's if it's warranted, and, and that's why we're spreading these out. You know, we're hopeful. Uh, we're hopeful that we get some sort of a trade uh, uh, trade deal, and this will allow us for a little bit of time for negotiators to continue to work with some of our trade partners and get that done. But but that second tranche probably, um, you know, if it's, if it's warranted in November, and then a third one uh, in early January. If at that point it's still warranted. Now for dairy producers, what is their uh, payment rate? So. Have the payment rate in front of me right now, Mike. Um, but uh, one thing that we do need to, um, um, you know, remind dairy producers is they need to need to be in business as of June one, two thousand nineteen, um, to qualify on a per, it's a per hundred weight on based on, on their on their milk production history. Um, uh, pork producers uh, they have another kind of unique date. Um, they need to basically select a date of inventory of, of pits on hand uh, sometime between April 1st and May 15th of 2019. And that's, that's a, that they select um, where they can pick their inventory. All right, Richard, thanks a lot. Again, uh, sign-up uh, starts on Monday. Uh, be in contact with your county FSA office. Thank you very much, and we'll talk more as, uh, as we go through the sign-up. Thank you, Richard. All right. Thank you, Mike. FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. We'll have to have more on this program on Monday when we talk with Undersecretary Bill Northey. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... So recently at um, a hearing on dietary guidelines, we heard quite a bit from the emerging plant-based foods industry. And one of the comments we heard from uh, someone with a Coalition for Healthy School Food, a New York group that promotes plant-based foods, 
they called for the removal of dairy as a food group. Let's get some reaction to that from the dairy industry now. Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation joins us. Alan, what do you think of that comment? Well, you don't go out and and start thinking that folks are going to be removing dairy as a food group anytime soon. But you also have to be mindful of the voices where this is coming from and, and understanding the importance of responding to these voices when you're dealing with the dietary guidelines. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Today I'm broadcasting from the North Dakota Cowboy Hall of Fame in Medora, North Dakota. The reason we've stopped in today is because, like the fourth Saturday in July each year, today is National Day of the Cowboy. Currently, 14 states recognize this day. The first celebration was back in 2005. In the words of former President Bush, we celebrate the cowboy as a symbol of the grand history of the American West. The cowboy's love of the land and love of the country are examples for all Americans. Grain and oil seed sector continues to struggle with a benign weather outlook for the next week or so. Meanwhile, Robert Lighthizer and the rest of the U.S. trade negotiation team are headed for Beijing next week. With our Friday market numbers, we send it back to the studio. Here is Kirsten Rawl. On the Board of Trade, corn is trading lower in light trade an hour into Friday's trading session. Soybeans are trading higher. A mixed tone continues in the wheat. Minneapolis spring wheat September up a half cent at 523 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat September down five and a half cent at 432. September Chicago wheat down four at 495 and a half cent. Nearby soybeans up six and a half at 888 and three quarters. Nearby corn a penny and three quarters lower at 416 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, August live cattle up 30 at 108.95. Nearby feeders up 55 at 143.35. August lean hogs up 42 at 86.42. In the outside markets, the Dow Jones is 12 points higher. NASDAQ composite up 69. The S&P is up 14. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
All right, so we continue to look at the the county rates uh, announced by USDA yesterday for the market facilitation program payments. By the way, uh, dairy producers will receive 20 cents per hundred weight based on production history. Pork producers will receive $11 per head based on a set inventory date between uh, April 1st and May 15th. Well, joining us now is Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, I guess you, like a lot of folks, uh, checking those county rates, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, on my county rate, uh, one of them is uh, twenty or $75. The other one is $83. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I would agree with the general sentiment I think that I'm hearing from a lot of folks and that there's a little more money involved than what maybe I thought there was going to be. So, and my, my impression coming in is that it was going to be, you know, a third of it up front and then the chance that another third uh, or, another, you know, two sets of thirds, uh, but then you get 50% up front. So I think a lot of folks are looking at this saying, no, this isn't such a bad deal. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think you ask any farmer, uh, what their opinion is, and they'd much rather have uh, uh, our trade situation worked out. Uh, uh, but I don't think they're going to turn the money down either. Right. So, were you surprised that it was uh, it was weighted more towards cotton production this time? Well, a little bit surprised. Yes, uh, a little bit surprised. Uh, I think you know you look at some of those rates. I was looking uh, uh, yesterday. You know, in Alabama, a lot of hundred, uh, know, several hundred and fifty dollar uh, rates in the county. I mean, certainly that that makes a pretty significant difference to a producer when you, even whenever you take half that rate up front. Uh, you know, seventy five bucks an acre is quite a bit of money. So uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised to be to be quite honest. Now, what about the, you know, the, the USDA said they worked really hard to try to uh, avoid or alleviate big discrepancies just uh, like side-by-side counties. Uh, do you think they did a good job with that in their formula? Yeah, I, I guess so. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, like, for instance, my, my our main county is Shelby County, and there's every different soil type that there is. The northern part of the county is, is awfully... Uh, awfully uh, high productivity there's some of the other parts of the county that maybe aren't uh, the same and so um, you know uh, the northern part of Shelby County is more like Moultrie County and so you know a producer that only farms in the northern part you know uh, I don't want to hear anybody complaining though at the same time Mike because you know anybody who's um, uh, looking a gift horse in the, <laughs> in the you know I mean you know what I'm saying it's it's a gift and 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 so in my opinion, I know that we've been, um, you know, we, we, we've had, we've been used as a political pawn here, in my opinion. I think there's reason uh, that, that this money would be warranted uh, to an extent, but at the same time, uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody should be complaining about it. As, uh, the, the government wouldn't have had to have done anything like this to begin with. We're joined by Matt Bennett from Illinois with agmarket.net. All right, Matt, let's turn our attention to crop conditions and trying to kind of get a handle on what the production might be this year. All of a sudden, now we have some uh, dry areas across the the Midwest, and that's a concern. We've gone from too wet to too dry in some places. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times, as you know, Mike, Mother Nature has a way of evening things out. Uh, you know, I would say in my area, right over here in Shelby County, we're pretty darn dry. You know, there are a few places that got some of those pop-up cells to get a little bit more water on their farm. But, you know, on, on most of the farms that we're on, we need a rain, and we need it pretty quickly. 
you know, if we don't get one, we're definitely going to be starting to uh, feel the effects. But uh, uh, And I don't see any rain in the forecast for the next two weeks for, for my area, over 40% anyway. So, you know, there's a lot of areas in the Corn Belt that are getting dry, and we really, uh, to be honest with you, we need heat. And we're and yes, we it's we've got some heat that's crept back in, but we need heat and we need moisture because these crops certainly are not going to be able to take this dry spell, uh, given the you know shallow roots pretty much across the corn belt. First of all, second of all, a lot of compaction issues. Uh, you know, it, there there's just uh, uh, we need the rain, and, and so right now I'm a little bit concerned with. Uh, with the weather forecast, especially considering how dry we've gotten, and I don't think anybody should uh, should ignore that uh, the drought in the monitor is actually showing a little bit of stress now. What is in the forecast is that August 12th USDA crop report, and uh, boy, there'll be a lot of attention on that one. There's going to be a lot of attention. There's no question that uh, you know a lot of people right now I, I feel, feel like are leaning pretty heavily on well these corn acres have got to come down. You know, and I, I would say. Uh, the net uh, corn acres are going to come down. As far as my harvested acreage number is lower than the current USDA's harvested acreage number. Now, what ends up being true planting intentions after a dollar rally in the corn market, that remains to be seen. Uh, Did people intend on planting, uh, uh, for instance, 95 million acres of corn? You know, that would not surprise me in in one uh, bit. Uh, but at the same time, I think that the prevent plant numbers, when you hear RMA uh, sources talking about 15 to 20 million total prevent plant acres, I've got to think that that's uh, weighted fairly heavily towards corn, especially uh, whenever you look at the dollars and cents for most producers, uh, they would want to use prevent plant corn. Uh, and so some people, you know, as you know, Mike, they, they couldn't use more corn acres than what they had last year. But I would think that anyone in a prevent plant area would have been maximizing uh, every prevent plant acre towards corn that they possibly could. Well, we're as big a guessing game as is to try to figure out this corn crop and the production there, even more so, I think, on beans. That's really a question mark. You know, Mike, that's one thing that I think that uh, could end up being a real wild card. You know, you don't have to do much driving, and you don't see any waist-high beans this year. I mean, we're sitting here with these beans planted extremely late. Uh, We didn't see uh, flowering and uh, 60% of the beans as of the crop progress report Monday in the country. And so essentially what we've done, you know, I've had a lot of folks tell me, hey, man, if we have a good fall, we can still have a good bean crop. Uh, You know, I'm not going to dispute that good late summer weather and early fall weather doesn't help bean yields, but beans are they're daylight sensitive, and so the beans are going to shut down with the daylight shutting down. Uh, And so essentially what you've done is you've taken, you know, up to six or eight weeks of of maximum flowering uh, uh, daylight, if you will, uh, and you don't have that like you've had the last few years. We all know the early planted beans have yielded really well, and they've been attributed to these huge yields. Uh, but whenever you don't get the uh, the opportunity for the bean plant, uh, then then you severely hamper yield. So I'm pretty concerned about what this bean uh, national bean yield might be. Now, yes, we have we have some uh, some excess beans in the U.S. and in the world. I think we're going to need them whenever it comes to the U.S. Even with uh, poor exports, I can see the bean yield nationally being down a good ten bushel this year. Hmm. Talking with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. So, Matt, do you see choppy markets? Uh, and, and I guess the next biggie, as far as a market mover, is the August 12th report, right? 
Yeah, and I, you know, here's the thing. I think eventually you could have that huge bean yield drop. I think the corn yield's too high yet. I don't know how much we learn in August whenever it comes to yields, okay? I, I think that it's going to take quite a bit of time uh, to get a handle on not only yields but total production. And so uh, it's going to be kind of a, a stair-stepped approach, and I don't think that uh, anybody should think that, uh, you know, we're going to be off to the races may, uh, necessarily just because the August report's coming around. It's going to take some time to get a handle on all this. The August report's more of an acres report then. Yeah, I mean, August report, in my opinion, they can adjust yields, but the old August report, you know, they, were, they had been out in the fields. That's not going to be the case this time. The old August report is going to be this year's September report. And so, you know, I don't know that we see any big yield adjustments. I think that if crop conditions would happen to worsen uh, between now and then and we don't get any rain going into then, uh, certainly you could maybe see some downward revision, maybe more so in soybeans than corn. I think they took that big jump and uh, took a big bite out of it in June, and I'm not sure that they're going to be ready to adjust that lower yet. Uh, only time will tell. But that would be the type of thing that could maybe jumpstart the market again is a, a, you know, a yield drop that the trade is not expecting. Or if they come out and say, you know what, actually this acreage is quite a bit lower uh, like some have thought all along. I'm just, uh, I'm not totally convinced that's going to happen just yet. You see or hear much grain moving or are farmers hanging on right now to see what happens? I feel like there's a lot of farmers hanging on. You know, with the elevator systems that we talk to, you know, there's places in Indiana and Ohio that are bidding huge overs, and they're having a heck of a time originating the corn. You know, basis levels have stayed pretty good. Now, I've thought all along that the basis could get pretty hot right before harvest. The only thing a person has to remember is is that uh, it is presumed that there's a lot of a lot of corn and beans out there. And, uh, you know, a producer, if they're going to have to re-up for storage, for instance, as of September 1st, that's liable to shake a fair amount of bushels loose. I do think that's what the elevator industry, the originators, that's what they're counting on at this stage of the game. Uh, and I think it's going to be kind of a poker game. We'll see uh, who flinches first. But I don't look for bases to increase dramatically unless they don't shake the bushels loose, uh, you know, with that September 1st date coming up, which is the date I think most producers are going to be dealing with to pay uh, to start, the, you know, the new storage rates. So still a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate being on. Take care. Matt Bennett from Illinois with agmarket.net. All right, up next, Peter Vitaliano, chief economist for the National Milk Producers Federation. We'll get uh, his reaction to the market facil- facilitation program payment announcement yesterday. And as we mentioned, for dairy producers, they'll receive 20 cents per hundredweight based on production history we will talk about that and also um, the debate is um, ramping up again over milk standards and uh, we're going to talk about that the role of uh, non-fat solids in the nation's milk supply that's coming up next stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. 
everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov drug disposal. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. 
Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Happy to be joined now by Peter Vitaliano. He is the chief economist for the National Milk Producers Federation. Peter, thanks for joining us. Uh, what's the dairy industry reaction to the market facilitation program uh, payments announcement yesterday? 20 cents per hundredweight on, uh, for dairy producers. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, um, as you mentioned, the announcement just came out yesterday, and I've not yet seen whether what National Milk has basically sent out a uh, – uh, an announcement yesterday welcoming the, um, uh, you know, basically the the trade mitigation package. I've not seen any comment uh, comments yet on the amount of the um, of, of the payment. It is uh, it is more than the the previous one, but um, as you know, we have been uh, National Milk has been citing a fairly substantial number for the injury that we've received. So we're going to, I think it's a little bit too early to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, reaction will continue to come in as people take a, a closer look at it. And I believe the number that I saw, dairy producers have so far lost more than $2.3 billion, with a B, $2.3 billion in revenues since uh, the, the tariff war uh, started. So that's a significant number for the dairy industry. That's true, and that's a number that we basically put out last year, uh, based on the on, on the reaction from the futures from the original uh, um, the original action, but it had been borne out as we went through 2018, and uh, basically into this year. Now we're looking for some price improvement after quite a few years, as you well know. Later this year, you'll probably see some. Uh, uh, some things that National Milk's put out that look a little bit more optimistic, but we're we're nowhere. the The outlook for this for the second half of this year is nowhere near enough to uh, um, basically put producers anywhere near whole. It's gonna it's gonna be a long a long slog to get out of the, the slump that we were in the last uh, couple of years. And unfortunately, it was hitting for a number of reasons. It hit particularly hard this time with the smaller producers who uh, were all seeing those reports of uh, family farms, some of uh, in the same family for generations, uh, are basically having to, uh, to go out of business. And I think the point to make is we talk a lot about these market facilitation program payments. Uh, they help, and they are welcome to help, but 
they don't make up, they don't make whole the losses that uh, farmers and producers have incurred uh, this last year with the with the trade tensions that have been going on. That's true. Although, as I say, if, if <clears throat> good markets are the best is the, are, is the best uh, medicine for dairy farmers, but if we have markets that are that are less than optimal. Um, Whatever help we have would be would be helpful. As you know, we've uh, we're looking at another year for the um, uh, very extensive sign up under the new dairy uh, margin coverage program, and the latest numbers that I've looked at um, basically uh, from the um, the margins that have been announced so far, we should expect um, probably about a 35 cent per hundred weight return after payment of premiums and sequestration of the payments. Uh, for signing up for the DMC program this year, uh, uh, which, as you know, basically uh, is retroactive to the beginning of the year for the first 5 million pounds of production history. USDA, um, uh, you know, one of the, we got a couple of improvements in the Budget Act last year on the margin, on the, uh, the premiums. We got another um, improvement on the coverage levels in the Farm Bill last year, and then just before the uh, the sign-up was announced, as I think I mentioned to you before, uh, USDA had uh, made the decision to increase the uh, the price for the alfalfa hay used in the cost formula, which basically bumped the cost up a bit and uh, put the margins down and therefore increased the payments. So um, with, the, with the new trade mitigation payment and the uh, DMC payment that um, – Hopefully, almost all farmers will sign up for. Uh, we should get a little bit, uh, a little bit of help. As you also know, the um, there was some additional um, spending for export promotion in the package, and for um, purchases of dairy products. So we'll have to see how that all costs out. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Peter Vitaliano. He is a chief economist for the National Milk Producers Federation. And, Peter, there's a, a kind of a rekindling of a debate over the role of nonfat solids in, uh, in our milk supply and uh, uh, looking at those milk standards. Kind of bring us up to date what's being looked at here. Well, this, this issue goes back decades. Um, as part of the strategy going back some time ago in California to basically increase the use of uh, manufacturing milk there, um, California raised the uh, minimum fluid um, non-fat milk solid standards in its all of its fluid milk products uh, with particular increases for the uh, 2% and 1% low-fat milk so that um, nationally those standards have basically been set so that almost any load of milk uh, meets them so that no fortification is needed. Uh, California increased their standards to the point where basically uh, fortification will be needed to meet those standards. And uh, <clears throat> there has been you know, discussion off and on for, as I said, decades about extending that, um, that those higher standards uh, nationally. Um, when I first heard about this re, you know, rekindling of interest, I did a sort of quick, quick analysis uh, uh, of what it would mean. And then subsequently I found that uh, Scott Brown at the University of Missouri had updated an earlier analysis, and uh, both numbers showed about the same thing, um, basically somewhere at least you know, 300 million pounds of additional nonfat solids uh, would be used commercially in the United States through fortifying um, 
fluid milk products in the other 49, the, the other states besides California. And it would result in uh, an increase in non-fat dry milk prices that would translate into some increase in milk prices. Uh, Scott showed about 70 cents per hundred weight the first year, but that would trail off as producers expanded uh, production. And it okay, shows some offset. Yeah, we're, we're out of time, Peter, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on this and see uh, where this goes. Yep. Thanks a lot. We'll see. Yep, take care. Bye-bye. Peter Vitaliano with the National Milk Producers Federation. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.